Welcome to the podcast of Leeds First Methodist Church. We are so glad you decided to tune in with us today. The following sermon was preached by Pastor Chris, and it is the last sermon in our church's Your Path to Purpose series. If you would like to watch the entire worship service, you can do so by visiting our website at leadsfirst.org, and at the top of the page, go to Worship and click Online Worship. Thank you, worship team and tech team and hospitality team for your great service and leadership this morning. My name is Chris Stallings, and I get to be pastor here at Leeds First Methodist Church. We are in the finale of our series, Your Path to Purpose. And in the course of the month of August, we've looked at what it means to live into your purpose of faith and especially through the local church made this statement, Leeds First Methodist Church exists to create paths for more people to know and to grow like Jesus on the paths of worship, grow, serve, and reach. We've had a key verse that's guided us through this series. It's from Ephesians 4, 13. And it reads, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And so that verse and the mission of the church is that we would know Christ and to become like Him, right? And so we do that through our past. Last week, we talked about the path and open the on-ramp to serve, and this week, your path to purpose, reach. Well, have you ever been a part of something and not really known what the whole thing was about, right? It came to mind a young child that's gone out for the t-ball team and spends most of the time sitting on the grass and playing with the dandelions instead of chasing the ball. Anybody ever been a part of that. Or maybe even as an adult or one as responsible, you've had a job where you just basically check in and check out or clock in and clock out if you still do that, and you're not sure what the company does or even the product they make. You're just there doing your job and going on. Well, there's a time in my life <laughs> I was in college, and you don't have to raise your hand, but anybody ever had a case where you were spending more than you had to spend? <laughs> You're like, yeah, that's right now. Right? I had one of those in college. A long story, we won't get into why and how, but I needed some extra money. And so I took a job as a temporary worker at a factory running a press break. Does anybody know what a press break is. Got some people in the house that are machinists. A press brake is a big machine, and you put a piece of metal in it, and this big press comes down and goes kaboom. Well, you got to hold it, you got to press two buttons to do it because it won't make sure your hands are out from under it. Because if you hold it one button, your hand, it just, I mean, it is powerful, right? You put a piece of round rod in there, and it comes out flat. 
And so I had a job putting round pieces of metal rod in there, pressing two buttons, and it coming out flat. Well, I didn't know what they did. Round rod came out flat, put it in a band. Round rod put it in, you know. And I did that for several weeks. And just before I'd earned enough to get myself out of the hole and was going to retire from press break operator and go back to, well, just focusing on school, I asked, what do these make? What do we do? And it turns out the round rod with a flattened spot and a hole in it went in and somebody else bent it and made it into the frame for a shopping cart. And it's the little part that you, you know, where you put them together in the return and it lifts up that little frame. I was making your shopping cart for uh, three or four weeks. Well, it didn't really matter if I knew what it was going into. I could still do a good job. But somebody at the factory needed to know, right? Know how to put them together and come out and make a shopping cart on the other end. Or else there would be no shopping carts and there would be no shipments. And then we wouldn't have made any money, right? Well, it's important to know the why, at least if you're going to be the most impactful individual organization. You start with the why. There's a guy made this kind of famous, Simon Sinek. Anybody ever heard of TED Talks? Simon Sinek did one of these in 2009 and kind of reintroduced this. For you to be effective, you start with the why. Why does a company exist? Why does the thing that we're making matter? And I think that's true. Great companies start with the why. Great athletic teams start with the why. Great healthcare organizations start with the why. And great churches must start with the why. For if we sing the best songs or read the best scripture or have the best painted buildings or the best manicured lawns, but forget the why what we're about, we will lose vitality and quickly slip off into ineffectiveness. John Wesley, who founded the Methodist movement and led it for many years in the 1700s, said this, I'm not afraid that the people called Methodists should ever cease to exist either in America or in Europe, but I am afraid lest they should only exist as a dead sect having the form of religion without its power. And this will undoubtedly be the case unless they hold fast to the doctrine, the spirit, and discipline with which they first set out. And so this series in our finale, we're getting to the why the church. If you've got a Bible, I invite you to look to Matthew in the New Testament. Matthew the first book in the New Testament. So if you find the New Testament, where it begins, that's Matthew, or open your Bible app. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 16 in just a moment. Now Matthew is described as a gospel where it tells the life and the good news of Jesus and his victory over death and sin. And Matthew chapter 16 is talking about this kind of liminal or transitional period in his ministry, in Jesus' ministry on earth, where he's been mostly ministering around his home or in the north of Jerusalem in Galilee, and he's transitioning to begin to journey towards Jerusalem. And if you know the end of the story, it starts getting rough whenever Jesus starts going to Jerusalem. In fact, he starts getting more and more confronted 
with the kingdom of God and what the people want, right? The people in power, the people of Rome, and even the religious leaders. In fact, the confrontation gets really serious for Jesus to the point where he gets arrested, he gets persecuted, he gets executed on a cross. But the confrontation is also for his disciples and those who follow him. They are confronted in that same Easter weekend that Jesus is, and even more so in the days and decades that follow. And so Jesus meets with his disciples before they take that journey to kind of give them the why. Right? So that whenever they face that persecution, whenever they wonder what are we supposed to do, they know the, the why. And even, even though they may sometimes waver in their faith, they can proclaim what Jesus invited them to proclaim. So let's look now at Matthew 16. I'm a, excuse me, I'm going to begin reading in verse 13. Matthew 16, verse 13, we'll go down through 20. I'm reading the New Living Translation, if you'd like to follow along word for word. Matthew 16, 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say he's John the Baptist, some say Elijah, or others say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. Verse 15, then Jesus asked, but who do you say that I am? Verse 16, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you're blessed Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you, and you didn't learn it from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Verse 20, then he sternly warned them, do not tell anyone what earth, that he was the Messiah. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we say, thanks be to God. Well, verse 15 in this passage gets to the, the why. With this question, but who do you Say that I am. Some of you may have heard of the author C.S. Lewis, a Christian author who popularized a, a kind of logic or decision tree for whether or not you should follow Jesus. And it goes something like this. Jesus was either, and you got to decide, he was either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. A liar, like People and Jesus just made up all the stories about, you know, healing people and everything he preached and taught and so forth and what he did. So he, he and those who recorded his life and ministry were lying. Or the second option is he was a lunatic. Like he said, all this grand stuff, delusions of grandeur you may have heard, and none of it happened. Right? So he just was kind of delusional when saying he was God's son. Or the third option Lewis popularized was that he was 
Lord or is in fact Lord. And so some people love that analogy, and some people are like, oh, no, 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 that's not right. Whether you like it or not, it gets at the core of this message, who do you say that I am? Jesus asks every person above the age of accountability, who do you say that I am? And as Methodists, we believe every person has the free will to answer that, right? To respond to Jesus' question, who do you say that I am? Now, you might say, well, I don't have to answer that. We believe that in not answering, you have in fact answered it, and it's, no, I don't think you are Lord. Or if you answer one of the others to you, in fact, say, Jesus, you're not Lord. And in doing that, you forego the blessing of salvation or being saved from what the, descri- the Bible described as separation from God because of sin. And we know that separation, or we categorize that as a term called hell, if you experience it for eternity. But Jesus said this in John 14, 6. He made it explicit. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And then, in this moment, whenever he's talking with Peter, he expresses that level of authority or purpose to Peter and ultimately the church to become his expression to the world after his resurrection and ascension, to proclaim the truth of the consequences of sin, to proclaim the truth of the good news that you may be saved from that, to proclaim that no one who puts their faith in Jesus will be abandoned. I want to take a, a side note, as Jesus is expressing his authority through the church, I take a side note just for a moment to acknowledge that there have been people who have been abused by people in the church. And if that's been your case, I want to say I'm sorry that that's happened to you. I can't undo what others have done to you, but I can say that God loves you And I pray that you'll leverage the healing steps that God would provide to you by seeking counsel, seeking protection. But then, when you're ready, that you would engage in a church that's healthily led with accountable leaders like this church, like we're partnering in the Global Methodist Church, where we lead our ministries in a way where we're Deploying policy and procedure like Safe Sanctuary, now it's going to be called Ministry Safe, where we provide protection to those that volunteer and work with kids and to the kids from abuse from those that would prey on them. Encourage you to trust God and to find a trustworthy place where you can lean all in and then lean in to what we're going to talk about today so that you can be a part of God's purpose for you and a part of his mission through the church again. Well, let's look now at this passage and how God would inspire us to know the why and the how to reach out to others to put their faith in Jesus. If you've got your worship bulletin, I invite you to take it out or to turn on if you downloaded the worship guide online. There's a place for you to take notes in there to follow along, fill in the blank. 
and my hope and prayer that it would help you to apply these to your life. Number one, reach as authorized by God. Reach as authorized by God. Matthew 16, 16 says, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. In other words, Jesus, I know you're God, and so whatever you say, I believe and will do. Now, how many of you, if I saw you today at Walmart or at Bucky's, I came up to you and I said, stop! Get on the ground and put your hands behind your head. Would anybody do that? <laughs> I doubt anybody would. But if there was one that said that, that had a, a badge, had been authorized by being sworn as a trustworthy police officer, and they said that, most of you do it, right? Because they have that authority to demand that, right? And so authority requires us to either trust or fear that thing that which is authority over us or holds authority over us. And so whenever Jesus is asking this, he's saying, do you trust my authority to be Lord of your life? Right? And you may be like, yes! And then he says, well, that means doing this. You're like, ooh, I'm not sure, right? And so some of the aspects of reaching means doing things that sometimes are fearful or afraid or cause fear in our life I'll give you an illustration some of you are like yeah well you trust government eh, maybe you fear government it yeah, maybe right but i bet you the government when they levy taxes 99 percent of you, you try your best to pay them out of i trust what they're going to do with it or i fear what they'll do to me if i don't Right? Do you trust God or fear God at least that much? Because God says, here's the commands of Jesus. God says, tithe or give a tenth of your income or increase to God through the church. And I'd say probably a majority of Christians say, yeah, that's not for me. Or I don't trust God enough, or I don't fear what will happen if I don't. And so we forego that. And so in our lives, many times we say, I absolutely trust or fear the government or fear these other things more than I do God. And so Jesus is saying, who do you say I am? Peter, you're going to go through the ringer, you're going to go through the fire, and for you to do that, you've got to know the why, and you've got to trust me, or the Bible sometimes says the fear of the Lord. you got to have that to know the authority of God. And then when you do, you receive that authority. Right? When God says go and do, and He makes a promise, then you have that authority. You receive the authority, Jesus, to proclaim His truth to everyone. Not embarrassed by it, not lacking power, but fully empowered. By the God of the universe, the God who spoke, and the whole universe was created. The God who's raised Jesus, or resurrected Jesus from the dead. 
If you believe that truth, if you follow that truth, you have authority to proclaim that truth to others. You are authorized by God to reach. Number two, reach built up by Jesus. Built up by Jesus. Verse 18, the first part says, Now I say to you, that you're Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. A little bit of a complexity in this. Verse 18 talks about building the church, but then if you look down in verse 20, it talks about, but don't tell anybody that I'm the Messiah. And so it seems a little bit confusing. And so in understanding the Bible, we say Scripture interprets Scripture. And so if something's not clear, we look to what else God says or where else God says in the Bible about that topic. And in that verse 20, some Bible scholars will talk about it being a messianic or messianic, I don't know exactly how you say it, uh, a secret. That there's some theory that says Jesus wanted everybody to not know he was Messiah until or why he was on earth or alive before his resurrection. Well, whether that's true or not, the evidence and the commands of Jesus make it clear after his resurrection that you are to proclaim it, right? You're to shout it. If you look at Matthew 28, Jesus says, go, don't just sit and wait, go and make disciples of all the nations, right? To the ends of the earth. He repeats it similarly in Acts 1, 8. That the disciples are those who, say, those who say you are Lord, they go and they proclaim that to others. Church, we have to, have to, have to keep that at the core of our purpose. If we just get to the point where we're like, ah, I'm pretty good. I like church the way it is. I don't know if anybody else needs to hear it or care. We're going to do things whether they're effective or not. We're just going, you know, whether new people come or grow in the faith. Here's this illustration. I heard this at our conference last week. Terry Tickle on prayer talked about a mayor who loved to go out into his town, walking around, driving around, and seeing the people that work for the city and would give them encouragement. Thank you for what you're doing. Checking in on them, saying, whoo, I know it's hot out there. Thank you for what you're doing. He'd drive around and walk around. And one day, he was walking down the street. He came up to two landscape workers. And one of them was digging the hole and making a pile of the dirt. And the other was standing on the other side of the, the hole, putting it right back in. And the first day he saw this, he was perplexed and like, huh, they're digging a hole and they fill it right back in, <laughs> you know. And he drove by and waved and said, thanks for your work, but stayed perplexed. The next day he drove by the same thing. Two guys, one digging it, one filling in. The third day, the same thing. <laughs> and he said, I got to ask, what on earth are you doing? Dave, who was kind of the foreman of the group, says, well, I dig the holes. And he talked to Mike, who was there, and he says, well, I fill in the holes. And he says, but Steve, who plants the trees, has been on vacation all week, and we were out of vacation, so we still had to work. Right? Sometimes we can miss the why 
and still do the thing we thought worked, and when there's something missing, it doesn't do any good. In the church, if we miss that our core why is to make disciples of others, to see people know the truth of Jesus and proclaim their faith in Him and follow Him, we miss it. We're digging a hole and filling it back in. Digging a hole. We can dig the best hole. We can fill it in the best. And it looks super good. And even plant. But we're not planting any trees. And when we have a church that's operating and missing the why, it's the same way. The church can be frivolous and lose our why if we don't maintain that our purpose It's a great path for more people to know and grow like Jesus and focus on the paths that accomplish that and stop the ones that are just digging holes and filling them back in that aren't making new disciples, that aren't seeing people profess faith and grow like Jesus. Reach built by Jesus. Number three, reach, (laughs) here's a good part, as the winning team. As the winning team. Matthew 18 goes on to say, Build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Not conquer means they're going to lose and Jesus is going to win, right? You like losing? I hate it. It stinks. They can say all they want about being good sports after you lose, but it stinks. Jesus says, if you'll be on my team, devil and all the powers of hell cannot, will not stand against you in the church. The key thing is you have to be on the team. You have to follow Jesus and be a part of his plan. Right? You can't say, I'm just going to do it my own way. As I talked about last week from the passage from Judges. You say, everybody just does what's right in their own mind. Have a team to be a part of what Jesus in the church is doing. And so that's why this series, we focused on what's that purpose. Great path for more people to know and grow like Jesus. I think that's on the next slide. And then the game plan, if you're on the team, is to take those paths. The next slide outlines that or lays that out. To worship, to grow, to serve, to reach. And each week we've talked about a different one of those. Started out with a spiritual survey that says, where are you at? Are you a follower of Jesus or not? And if you're not, that's okay. This is a safe space for you. But this series is Primarily talking to those that have said, I follow Jesus and what the game plan is. Worship. Next week we opened the on-ramp and talked about growing. The next week, serving. And this week we'll talk a little bit about how we're reaching. Our primary way of doing that this year in this season is through what we've called Project 12. Anybody heard of that? Anybody done that Project 12? A bunch of y'all have. Project 12 is in the 12 months of the year, a kindness project each month. It goes into the community to illustrate God's love and invite folks to faith in Jesus and to His church. 
We've assigned or asked grow groups and serve teams to sign up for a month. Many of those have already completed their month. I looked up last night and at least, there's probably more, at least a thousand people or illustrations of God's love have been received in our community this year so far. But it's a gesture that the people who receive them will receive as kindness. We don't go through and like beat them over the head with the Bible, although it may be true in their life, it's not kind. So it's kind and the truth that God loves you. And so we have this card that goes with it. It says, God loves you, no strings attached. You just take this Coke or water or tea or donut or whatever the teams are giving out. Know that God loves you, but we also want you to know you've got a home, a place that loves you, our church. I don't know, next year we might do Project 13 and add a month, or Project 52, which would be one every week. I don't know. God willing, will multiply this to where everyone, I don't doubt it's God's hope that everyone in Leeds would experience some gesture of kindness and the hope of this church to some, something that the people of this church do in the coming years. The second way we do that is through a personal invitation. There was a stat I saw online recently that showed that 86% of people who come to church for the first time said it was because somebody they knew invited them. You know how many came because the pastor did something? 6%. <laughs> right? Now, I'll invite people, but that study says you're like, whatever that is, 12 times more effective at inviting people than just a random pastor coming by and saying, come to my church, right? And so what does it mean to make a personal invitation? It starts with prayer. Put in your prayer habit. And if you don't have a prayer habit, start it with this. Put in your prayer habit a name of a person. God, I pray that you'll reach them, that they'll be saved and be a part of your church. Pray for them regularly, at least weekly and maybe daily. And then invest in that person. Spend time. Text them. How are you doing today? Have coffee with them on your break or go to lunch with them. Do what you would do to invest in a friendship. And then invite them to church. We have these cards, so the ones for Project 12 are black on the front and have a generic, just here's our service times, our website. The white cards are for your personal invitation to a friend, to somebody you've invested as you invite them to church. It says the same thing on the front, illustration of kindness is our way of saying God loves you, no strings attached, but on the back it's got the same service times with a little check box, you check the one that you attend most frequently. Hey, I come to the 845 service, that's the one you're in. Right? And then you put your name and your phone number. So I don't suggest you randomly give these out with your name and phone number, but, but people you know. And whenever you do that, you're giving an invitation to the church and saying, I'd love it when you decide to come. Text me. I'll meet you at the door. I'll be your personal guide. Show you where the coffee's at. Show you where you check your kids in at. Show you where the bathroom's at. You sit with me. Now, they may not come. So you keep praying. Graciously invite. Invite others as well, but be ready and praying and expecting someone to come to your church. 
And to be hospitable when they do. Be their host when they do. Be here when they do. You invite somebody and then you're not here ever. You're like, oh, I came and I didn't even see you, right? And so come to church and be here regularly. And so that you're also part of the welcoming for other people whose friends come. Right? Your presence in church does something for others as it does something for you. And so I invite you to send out a personal invitation. There are cards on the back table. You can do it in a number of ways. Those cards would be there to equip you. They're in bundles of five. Take one and over the next year we invite five people to your church that they may have their life transformed. In the course of this series, talked about as on-ramp, to, to get on these paths of worship, grow, serve, and reach. Each week we've opened up a different one. To date, over 60 Adults and youth have taken the on-ramp. That's about half, about half of our average adult and youth worship attendance. So we're no longer, hadn't been for a while, but no longer a church where 20% of the people do 80% of the stuff, right? So praise God for that. But I don't believe we're done. Because some of you are just like, oh, I forgot I was going to do that, right? So you got to few more days left in August. Some of you have been wrestling with it. And let me just say it's normal to be on the path of worship, growth, serve, and reach you. If you're a member, it's what you're a part of. It's your covenant relationship to the church. If you're a, a tender or a guest, it's an invitation. If you want to, jump in. I invite you to be a part of that. What it does is it gives you a chance to say yes or no. If you want to take the off-ramp and be on a different team than what you've been on. But to say yes, I want to be back on this team. Honors you. It also honors those that are leading in our church by saying, I'm on the team. You wouldn't believe how helpful it is to know I've got these 12 people that are going to do this ministry and I put a schedule together and here's what they know what to do. And so when you do that, you honor and you equip the leaders of the church to equip you to be members that minister. And finally, what it does is it defines the relationship. You're saying, I'm in. Right? I'm a part of the church. I'm a part of the ministry. This is what I believe God's going do. If you have questions, feel welcome to reach out to me. If you're like, there ain't nothing in this church I feel connected with, I'll help you find a better church if I can. But you need to accomplish God's purpose in your life. You need to be connected on these or similar paths so that God is a part of your life and you're fulfilling the purpose for which he created you. I invite you this fall semester from September through January to at least worship in one, grow in one, and to serve in one. And then this week, would you invite one? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the blessing of Jesus. And thank you for this purpose for which you've invited us to be. God, I pray that you would be working in us to awaken our hearts to the people or person for which you would have us pray. God, for those that we've been praying for, I continue God, would your spirit draw them close and give us the, the means to invite and see life transformation in your church. If not here, some, where? God, I pray that you would help us to go with your authority, to believe you are Lord, as Peter declared, and to go with that power into our lives. God, invite folks.
be part of the winning team that defeats Satan and all the powers of hell. I pray this in Jesus' holy and powerful name. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We would love for you to visit us in person at 8.45 a.m. for modern worship or at 11 a.m. for traditional worship. If you would like to plan a visit, simply text the word CONNECT to the number 205-772-4906 and you'll be sent a link to get you started. Thanks again, and God bless.